So we'll uh, get started in uh, less than a minute. I'm just going to give some time to our audience to settle in. And I encourage them to use the chat window to tell us where they are coming in from, which part of the world. If you want to share your LinkedIn profiles, please do that. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, feel free to ask any questions from our panelists or post any comments. And if you have a compelling story to share, uh, you can reach out to me through the chat and I'll, happy to, I'll be very happy to get you into our conversation. Uh, and yeah, so um, uh, we are on time and ready to get started. So here we go. Uh, my name is Sharad Agarwal. I'm the CEO of Cybergear and the founder of OnlyWebinars.com. Uh, when COVID happened some 18, 20 months back, I decided to launch this platform uh, for having meaningful and engaging conversations such as these. So uh, this is my impact venture, and I'm happy to report to all that we've done three dozen webinars in the last 18 months, and we've covered a lot of great topics uh, that are of interest to all. So today we have uh, the Plan for Impact series of webinars. This is our third edition, by the way, and we are going to be discussing a very important topic, which is the big disconnect from purpose to impact. And I think uh, now I should be introducing uh, all our panelists who are from across the globe, literally four continents. Uh, we have uh, you know, people from US, from Germany, from Singapore, India, UAE, and all the way to Australia. So I believe uh, Annalisa is at a 7 a.m. time zone and Ronan from Australia is at an 11 p.m. Uh, time zone. So I think they deserve a shout out for this one. Love your Thank commitment. You. Yeah. Okay, so let's, uh, let's do one minute introduction for each of our panelists, and then we'll do a deep dive on this uh, topic. Let's start with, uh, we have two doctors, by the way, in the house, right? PhD doctors. So I'm uh, pleased to introduce Dr. Annalisa Boisson. She is the founder architect of yourglobalvillage.com. If you've not uh, been to yourglobalvillage.com, I encourage you to do so after this webinar. And this is a platform that enables personalized and profitable community building. And dare I say that Dr. Annalisa has been in the metaverse uh, space uh, much before Zuckerberg decided to rebrand Facebook to Meta. So uh, she has been sensing the future big time. And she also runs her own agency, which is called Insight, where she is helping organizations uh, by, by providing you know, data-driven insights uh, for SMEs. So welcome to the show, Dr. Annalisa. Happy to have you here. If I may just move on uh, to the second doctor in the house. And Dr. Ranjini Manyan is coming uh, all the way from India. And she's very talented. She wears various hats. Uh, she's an entrepreneur, a cultural ambassador, author, and philanthropist. And she's connecting global citizens to India. She also has served on the Harvard Women's Leadership Board and has authored several books, uh, one of which is called Doing Business in India for Dummies. And then she's written one on Upwardly Mobile, yet another one on Make It in India, 
And uh, I believe now she has her latest release, which is Champion Woman Truths, which is a progressive journal. I love all of those topics. And congratulations, Dr. Anjani, for the launch of your latest book. If I may now go to Paul Dunn, all the way in Singapore. And uh, uh, Paul is uh, actually coming back to us for this third webinar. So most of our audience <laughs> members already know him. And he's a good friend and the founder of B1G1, uh, which is you know business for good, a global uh, giving initiative that he started. And he's impacting millions of lives on a daily basis. So I'm looking forward to all the learnings uh, from Paul. May I move on to Nicola and Duncan, who are sharing the camera? And I guess they have a similar story as well. So Nicola is the co-founder and creative director of a Classroom of Hope. Uh, she is going to be telling us the story, and we are looking forward to hearing her story, which I think is very touching. And she is truly creating an impact, uh, which uh, you know we are all looking forward to be hearing very soon. And she has uh, with her Duncan Ward, who is actually the founder of uh, Classroom of Hope. And um, again, we are looking forward to hearing their story of how they are changing lives in different parts of the world. I'm gonna to jump to Australia and go straight to Ronan, Ronan McDonnell. He's the founder of uh, CRED uh, and uh, they work at the intersection of education and technology. And it helps people live a life of purpose every day. This is what our webinar is about. And again, I look forward to hearing Ronan's story. Uh, we have two other panelists who are also our regulars, if not on this series, then on the other What's Next series, which we've been hosting. And I'm going to John Scott Turco, who is the founder of Humanix, coming uh, from the Chile, New York. And uh, so John Scott is a thought leader. He's a change maker, and he's been coaching CEOs on leadership issues for more than 15 years. He's helped several C-suite leaders to create impact in their organizations. So welcome, John Scott, look forward to hearing from you. And last but not the least uh, is my good friend, Philip Horvath. We've done many webinars together. And every time I see him, um, I, I learn so much. So glad to have you here. Philip is the founder of Lumen. Uh, please check him out on LinkedIn or his website, lumen.com. He's working with startups, with NGOs, with artists, with futurists, and scientists to understand which values and behaviors would become essential for the future. He lives in Berlin, but travels a lot to Los Angeles, I'm told, and he has clients all over the world. So uh, welcome, Philip. And that's our panel, folks. Um, I think, um, you know, I would like to call them uh, the stars in our constellation because there's <laughs> amazing good energy in the room, which I can sense. And I'm going to uh, let Annalisa uh, start this webinar by sharing her story of the community building that she's doing. And um, over to you, Annalisa. Let's get started with you. Thank you so much, um, Sharad. And uh, really wonderful to have everybody here today. Um, it's such a privilege to know all of you and to also call you my friend. So thank you so much for being here. So a little bit about myself, I am the, the founder and the architect of uh, Your Global Village, which is an entrepreneur's metaverse. So to give you a bit of a backstory uh, to all of this is I've had the good fortune of 
um, having lived in nine countries, lived and worked in nine countries around the world. And that has given me quite a unique perspective, I think, on different communities, what makes them work, what connects people, and um, just the, the different perspectives that people have on things that we all hold as truths. So combine that with my training in economics, specifically the analytical side. And um, that brought me to where I am now because I do have a tendency to look for patterns and things. I look at what's going around, uh, on around me and just see how do things connect together? What can I see as patterns? And two things became very clear to me. The one thing is that impact through entrepreneurship and the change it creates is very real. And it is really a, a very powerful thing to, to harness. And the second thing is that I noticed that solo efforts tend to create a lot of waste, if you think about it. Yet compare that to collaboration and the power that you create just by bringing a lot of people together, not just for the resources, but also for the ideas and the energy that they bring together. And that is why the, the, the Global Village came into being because I felt that it would be the perfect place to create the impact that we need to have in the world right now. Now, what we do is we, we bring high achieving uh, entrepreneurs together in the village and we, we support them to create more revenue but also to become daily impact makers. And that's where the impact side comes in. Now, doing that by yourself can be tough, but that is why it's great being in the village, because the village not only supports you, it also is a platform for amplification. And this is where I'm actually quite proud of what we've done, because it is the only metaverse village that has an impact house. And the impact house is what leads a lot of um, our actions in there, because it truly is like the soul of our village and it connects what we do to a bigger purpose. And with that, I think I'd like to hand over to Paul because Paul is in fact the patron of our Impact House and he's been instrumental with shaping our thinking as to what is possible in the world. Thank you. Oh, wow, that was unexpected. And, and thank you, Annalise, that's a great uh, definition. And as someone, I think it was me uh, put in the chat, uh, nice to have someone who's ahead of the Zuck. Uh, so well done. And uh, creating, <laughs> creating uh, not just an impact village or an impact house in the village, but also a massive number of impacts around the world. Uh, one of the things that I think is really important, and I've been following a, a lot of stuff on this, uh, that uh, if, you, if you were to search, and I'm sure John Scott probably knows, there's a, there's a, a site somewhere that, that talks about the word of the year, you know, these words that tend to come into our lives and tend to get overused. And I'm sure I saw something that said for the last couple of years, purpose was the, the word. And now I think there's a lot of, of, of stuff. And most recently, uh, Professor Colin Meyer uh, out of Oxford uh, has been, I might put the link in the chat later on, uh, has been talking about how there, there are companies that are really talking about being on purpose, but it becomes not words. And the problem with purpose, for one of the potential problems with purpose is that it's very, very challenging to measure it. You can have words, but how do you measure you know, that you're actually doing all of those things? And so I think this, uh, that's why, in a, in a way, I think our title could actually be uh, you know, moving from purpose to impact uh, driven. That's the great connect, because when we can start to measure things and physically see 
what's actually going on rather than words, then that's when we create movements. That's when we create uh, people wanting to do things, people who want to keep on doing things. And Ronan, for example, is doing that in a fascinating, fascinating way. Ron, I never realized that I could sort of segue and do an intro to you, but you are doing some massive things uh, in relation to what you're doing in cred that has is everything to do with people making impacts. Do you want to just talk about that? Because I think people joining us might see uh, you know, instantly the difference between being on purpose and being impact-driven. Thanks, Paul. And uh, thank you, for Sharad, for introducing us all. And it's great to be part of this conversation today. So just to confuse everybody, I am in Australia, but I'm originally from Ireland. So that might be a little bit confusing <laughs> for everybody. Uh, so we are a technology and education company. And we started in 2015. And my background in technology, I combined that with my uh, training in neuroscience and specifically neuroleadership and how do we help people build sustainable habits and put them together to form cred. And we meandered for a couple of years and wondered, oh, are we leadership development? Are we performance development? Um, but we kind of struggled to identify what do we stand for? What do we want to be known for? And what was the difference we wanted to create in the world? And, and Paul very kindly put me onto a book called Cult Status by Tim Duggan. And the first step of that is think impact first. And, and we have a clear sense of purpose. So our purpose is to help people live, learn, and give every day. That's our reason for existing. Our mission, what we choose to do with that purpose is to inspire people to do three simple actions every day. Take care of yourself, do something kind for someone else, and take care of the planet. And our impact as a result of that purpose and mission is to, by 2030, have at least 3 million people do 9 million acts of kindness every day for themselves, others, and the planet so that we create together the world we'd all love to live in. And how we do that is we run programs such as 30-day challenges, all centered around an app. And we've most recently completed one at the University of Mississippi um, where we help people do those three actions to part of a program, create shared experiences, and we create impact on three levels. So individually, we want to help people improve. We want to help create better organizations and communities. And then through our partnership with B1G1, we're able to create tangible impact. So every time people did three actions in their challenge, one of them was just a check-in, notice their energy levels. And every time they did that, it provided one day's access to water for a child somewhere in the world. Every time someone did an action of movement for 30 minutes, it provided one day's access to education for a child in the world. And for every time someone uh, moved for 30 minutes, it provided one day's access to a playground for a child in the world. And what we find is that helps us to actually measure the impact. So we're not just living through purpose, we're actually measurably able to demonstrate it. And it's only, I think, through partnership that we can do this. Annalise talked about doing this together. So thank you, Paul, for that little, little segue. And um, I, I'm, I'm inspired Well, I heard Philip talk about the values and the behaviors as well. And I think that's um, really important. Um, I'm a big fan of James Clear's work and recently listened to his, his podcast <laughs> with Brené Brown, the interview around identity-based yeah. habits and helping us identify who are the types of people we want to show up in the world. So either maybe Philip or, or John Scott, I'm curious to hear, how are you finding that's resonating with the leaders that you're working with in your conversations you're having? Well, since you jumped on it, I'll jump on it. Um, I, th I think it really is about 
in the end, for me, purpose and impact are two ends of the same spectrum. Right? We start with our why, then there's a how, and ultimately there's a what that we can then measure in the world. Right? And I think that's exactly. a lot of like fake dualisms, like profit or purpose, or you know, innovation or core business, and that's, that's bullshit. Right? Because things go through us, creation runs through us, if we're an individual or a team or an organization or a country or a whole planet, it, creation kind of runs through us. And our first job is to align with that. So we align with life. So we create more life for the future. We give to the future. We don't take away from the future. Right? So when we start with our why, it's really about us, our intention here of what we want to create in the world. Right? And then we have to figure out how to do that, how we, who we need to be as individuals, behaviors, and you know, that's where your work running is so important. Right? How do I align myself with that? Then how do we do it together? Right? What are the kind of cultures we create for organizations in which we are enabling each other to do that and ultimately how are we focusing our innovation capacity right how are we managing a portfolio of business models and business processes that all have a life cycle from ideation to ultimately sunset but how do we manage that portfolio so that everything we do in our organization is purpose-driven because if i don't know why i'm doing something why would i be doing it and the thing is all companies as i said for me are impact companies Right. And their purpose might be very small, right? They suffer from a little small purpose problem where they say, our purpose is to make money. Right? And it's, that's, that is a valid purpose, absolutely. And it's insufficient in a world where we see that we're embedded in bigger and bigger ecosystems where everything we do has impact. If I'm only measuring my financial output, my financial impact down here, and not uh, you know, measuring my externalities and the impact I have on people and society and all these other things around, I'm missing a big picture here. And I think this is what's happening now that people are waking up to say, hey, we all have not just a footprint of what we leave behind here, but we all have a handprint, right? We all have what we do every day. And we wanna align ourselves with life because we want to give to the future because right now we've seen that we've been aligning with death, we've been aligning with consumption, right? we've been aligning with taking away from the future rather than adding to it. And I think this is a great shift that's happening, which is so awesome and why I think all of your work is so tremendously important. When you talk about education, my heart sings because that's really where it starts, right? where we, how we train our children, that we bring our children into an awareness that they're not separate from nature, they're not separate from life, but they're indeed part and parcel of it. And that every single thing that they do contributes or takes away from the future. Right? Everything they do has impact. So it's important to take that moment and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Right. And I think this is where John Scott works, and I'll pass it on to you now, because it's about leadership, right? and really the individual that decides to take a stance in this world and make things happen, right? that is independent of position or title or status. That's really a choice that we all get to make. So with that, I know that you make that choice and helping people make that choice all the time. Absolutely. Uh, Philip, you know, every time I hear you speak, I realize how synergistic all of our work is. It's just, oh, it's so... <laughs> It's, it's, every time, right? How could yeah, it's it's fantastic, you know. And and I think about this um, just to take uh, one perspective on it. You know, my work focuses on behaviors and outcomes or impacts. And oftentimes, you know, we as Paul said originally, we have this word of the year. You know, purpose was was a, such a big word, and and while tremendously important, I'm always yeah. looking for the outcome. Like, you know, how are you? It's great, you know. And I talk about having courage and taking courageous action and thought. And then it doesn't translate into anything if action isn't taken. If there's, if we don't see the outcomes of it, it just lives in the ether in our brains in this circular dialogue that doesn't go anywhere. So how can we really 
harness this power. I'm I'm kind of I'm amazed by all of you because you're impacting such a in such a direct way um, what's happening. You know, Paul is uh, you know obviously without question quite legendary in this respect, and and several of you are working so dramatically towards this. And when I work with leaders. I usually start to reverse engineer, you know, what is the outcome? I just had a call with a prospective client yesterday. I said, this is great. Let's talk about it in a second, but what do you want to come out of this program? And they sat back and thought about it and they had to really think. And I was like, <laughs> you should know what, you know, what the, what the outcome is to this, because if not, then you're just in this circular, as I said, circular dialogue. So I do appreciate the fact that we're finding this cross section of behavior and I really think it comes to this place of courageous thought to, uh, I literally moments before this webinar posted um, my, my LinkedIn post, which I do daily. And today's is break the cycle, you know, break the cycle of trying to look at uh, things the way they've always been looked at, the way that they've always been done um, and take action towards that end result. Because at worst case, you're learning. And at worst case, you can see where your impact can be more effectively focused. So, uh, so I'll try, I'll, kick it over to Duncan and Nicola, because I'm curious as to your perspective on this and how it translates into your work each day. Thanks. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> wow, it's so inspiring to hear every single one of you speak. Just amazing. I'm blown away by every person here. It's so um, such an honor to be with you all tonight. Um, I think that, you know, Classroom of Hope was really started by a purpose and a mission statement, um, and that was to provide education to children in developing countries. That's always been sort of our, you know, our our guiding um, light behind us. We we have that mission, and and it's always really driven our purpose. And to some degree, you know, it's it's we can measure our impact. We can measure our outcomes um, by how many schools we build, how many students we're able to support, um, you know, how many children get access to clean water and sanitation and toilets. We have really clear um, things that we can measure. Um, but we've also, you know, looked even further than that. And um, at, at how are these kids being impacted in the sense of how many children are actually graduating? How many of these yeah. children are going on to higher levels of education? Because we yeah. primarily work yeah. with, you know, primary school children. How many of them are going on to tertiary? How many of them are getting jobs? How many of them are then, you know, being able to sustain a living for themselves and then give, giving back? Um, and particularly, we see that with young women, because um, women, um, as you know, I'm sure Ren Rangini, Dr. Rangini can speak more about this. But women, um, you know, when you empower young girls and women, they give back. They give back to their communities. So those are the longer term <clears throat> impacts and outcomes that we, we love to see as well and measure as well. Yeah, uh, everything Nick said uh, makes complete sense. And I'm also inspired by all this uh, awesome conversation by you guys. Uh, from my perspective, you know, something that really um, caught my eye, we've been collaborating with uh, an amazing organization in Finland to bring this new technology where we're now building schools and homes from, uh, see if you can see it there, <laughs> recycled uh, plastic blocks. Um, which is fighting the plastic crisis and is carbon neutral and and you know it's now not just about education it's about you know our carbon footprint it's about the planet it's about cleaning up plastic waste and how to innovate with new technologies that are out there but what really caught me with our partner that we're working with was that their moral compass and their values and and framework was based on the UN SDGs so they're actually us using that um, as a compass to work out you know where they want to focus their impact 
the impact they want to create and their product is touching X amount of those um, UN SDGs, which means their impact curve is significantly higher. So uh, from our perspective, that's also just a really good uh, compass to use. And, you know, a really good point Nick made there on, uh, you know, gender equality and empowering women and educating girls, you know, it's now statistically proven that you educate a young woman or a girl, they'll bring five out of poverty with them instead of uh, just one or two through males. So you're exponentially speeding up eradicating poverty by putting time and effort into women and girls. So with that message, I'll hand over to the wonderful uh, Dr. Ranjini. Uh, I know she's doing fantastic work in empowering women. Fantastic stuff, guys. <laughs> Dr. Ranjini, you are on mute. Perfect. See, we're all connected across the globe. And we're all trying to do the same thing together. And what a wonderful opportunity that you brought us together here with technology. I'm the only one who couldn't get my screen background up, by the way. <laughs> because I live in this no-name country with no technology at all. <laughs> it's not true. It's about this mindset that we women come with saying, I can't do technology, I can't do this. And that STEM work absolutely has to be encouraged in the women of the future, because that's where we're headed and that's where the jobs are going to be, according to the Global McKinsey Report. So I was just very excited to share with you that purpose and impact for us in India at Global Adjustments Foundation has been just championing women. But India has done a lot because we get about 28% uh, college educated men and 28% college educated women. But by the time we come to the workforce, 82% men are in the workforce out of the educated ones and still only 28% of the women are in the, in the workforce. So we lose a big bunch of women and they don't stay uh, career intentional, they don't contribute and they stay uh, quietly with their three little um, stumbling blocks or mindset stumbling blocks saying, I need to serve my husband, my father, and my son. Culturally, this country was like that. But you know, whatever you say of India, the opposite is also true. Some of the smartest women are also here, outspoken, doing great work, but the percentages didn't tally. That's why we set up this program called Champion Woman where we go in and we, we work with women at the last year of the graduation, when they're just ready with the parents saying, do you wanna get married? And she has to learn to say, no, I wanna finish getting my career ready. And then we go into the workforce and we work with the women in the workforce who say, I'm not gonna give up because half of them don't give their resumes to companies. And the other half, when they come into the jobs, they quit the workforce very early because of improper management of milestones and crises personally. So the whole program was about helping the woman find ways to have professional success and personal well-being. And that, those are the two ends of the spectrum that have helped become the purpose of our life. And we're not saying working women, we're saying women who do something beyond their own families, right? Maybe a nonprofit, it may be working with um, a corporate, maybe entrepreneurship. India needs to have many more women entrepreneurs. By the way, do you know how many women we have in India? Is it 200 million, 700 million, or 300 million? Audience, you can put it in chat too. 
Yeah, we should do it in the chat. <laughs> what were the options? 200, 300, or 700 million? 300, 300 and 700 million. I will Aisha, you're Aisha, you're Indian. You're not allowed to answer. <laughs> she answered. It is 700 million. How yeah. far of population is Indian? So that's a lot of women. Can you imagine if they all contributed? India's GDP would totally get to the 3 trillion or 5 trillion economy that we want to get to. There you go. Everyone's getting the answer right. And the way we try to do this is we need to change the mindset of the woman and self-power her through the program. Because education is happening. Companies are making all efforts for diversity and inclusion. But the woman herself is stopping herself from marching ahead. So there's a beautiful saying in India that I, we've all been inspired by that I'd like to share with you. It goes like this. Watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words, they become your action. Watch your action, it becomes a habit. Watch your habits, it becomes your character. And watch your character because it becomes your destiny. So we start with, let's fix your thoughts. And we will get into the woman's mind space. And our hope is to change the mindset of women so that as champion women, they can really contribute to India. We've Thank you, Dr. Ranjini. That and was inspiring. Touched, and we've no, touched 200,000, so I'm very excited. Great, great. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, Paul, I was on your website before the webinar, and on your homepage, I picked this up. And uh, it says in 2007, uh, B1G1 started with a simple idea. What if every business could make a difference in their own way? just by doing what they normally do. This simple idea has now become a global movement. Can you expand on that for us, Paul? Yeah, that, thank you for the opportunity to do that. It does seem like an interesting thing, doesn't it? That what if everything we did, for example, what if uh, you and I being on Zoom uh, actually did something other than us being on Zoom? Uh, wouldn't it be interesting if every time we had a great meeting, something happened beyond the great meeting? Wouldn't it be interesting? And, and Ronan is doing this. And, oh, wouldn't it be interesting to go back to, to Classroom of Hope? I mean, this is really interesting about the circular nature of this. I hope you got what they're doing. They're getting rescued plastic from the ocean, converting that into plastic bricks, which is helping them build schools at about 10 times the rate because it now becomes like, like a sort of a Lego thing. And as a result of that, dramatically uh, changing the impact. So um, in, in our world now, in the B1G1 world, that whole thing about really embedding it is kind of like what Philip was saying earlier on. I loved the way you did that, Philip, you know, from, from the why to, to the how and the, the what and the how sort of thing. Um, uh, or the how and the what, I should say. And so for us, we, we track that with every particular member of, of B1G1. And so right now, uh, you know, we've created together. And again, this is a partnership thing. This is what's coming out in this. We can't do it on our own, right? So together we've created from that simple little idea. Once again, wouldn't it be great if every time something happened in our business, something great happened in the world? 271 million, actually 272, I think today, million impacts. And that doesn't sound very much. So the way I love to say it is 
that's imagine it was 20 million dollars 20 million impacts less then we would say a quarter of a billion impacts which is one heck of a lot uh, of impacts and being made by a lot of the people who uh, you know we're uh, i'm so thrilled to be sharing all of this with so yeah and, and uh, i don't know it's we, by the way, just, just so that you understand, there's all sorts of measurement systems in relation to the impact, but I can tell you the way that we measure it, and it's because of people like Dr. Rangini and pe people like Duncan and Nicola and, and so on, is we measure it by smiles. We say, just think about that as the number of smiles that are being created every day that otherwise would not be. So, yeah, that's why... That's why I say this is not necessarily a big disconnect, it's a big connect, because when we when we can feel it, when we can see those impacts that are being made, it's like, whoa, take a look at that. And then others can see it as well, and others can come on board because it, it becomes meaningful to them as well. I Thanks, just Paul. In, yes. Can I jump in with our, our, our modest friend, Paul, here? Did you just say literally 271 million? It doesn't sound like a lot. Because I, I thought I was mishearing um, in terms of impacts that you're having. So, I mean... <laughs> Let's take a quick moment and step back and, and, and realize that because it's always incredible, Paul, to see like the actual <laughs> impact uh, that you're having. So I thought I was mishearing for a second. It was a bit early here. But uh, yeah, that's that's cause for celebration at, uh, at at the very least. So thank you. Yeah, and it's important. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jessica. It's important to understand that, you know, the, the only thing that we kind of created in that was the idea, but then getting everybody together in the idea created the impact if that if that makes sense and it's again sometimes we think that it's you know massive quote-unquote donations and all those sorts of things that really do make a difference well they do make a difference the problem is it creates the narrative that one day when i'm successful you know we'll, we'll start doing this as opposed to each and every one of us can do it right now yeah, if I may just move to Nicola and Duncan one more time, um, I'm curious to know, you know, what keeps you motivated every day in doing what you're doing? Well, for a long time, that was always children. Um, just we would get to go into the field and help, you know, in any way that we could and, and see the impact that our donors helped us to create. And it always kind of just re-motivated us every time we got to go into the field and see these schools, see the kids. Um, and while that definitely is still a driving force, um, I think becoming parents um, changes things too. Uh, we wanna see the world left better for our kids. Um, and you know that's really fitting into why we've moved into building schools from recycled plastic as well. Um, there's a major, major plastic crisis happening across the world. And um, this gives up an, us an opportunity to not only you know, keep with our initial purpose and our initial mission, but to pivot that a little bit and expand it and um, and and bring in the plastic crisis as well. Great. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh, sorry. Can I, can I can I can I just ask you, uh, Nicola and Duncan? You, you, the thing about children is really interesting because one of the things that children don't have is baggage, right? So, our, our experience is that that kids actually get this to some extent better than we adults do because there's no baggage that's getting in the way what, what's your experience of that yeah for sure there's no you know they're closer to consciousness than i'd say once our minds have been uh, uh, corrupted <laughs> as we're going through this uh, worldly life you know uh kids are amazing they're so innocent and they're so passionate about learning and mostly actually those in developing countries you mentioned smiles earlier on we see them all the time big white teeth 
And to me, it's just a, an international language of kindness. It's just so awesome when we are in the field, seeing the kids and, you know, the school to us is just the output, the water facility is all about the outcome is them getting access to the education and being able to study and learn in classes that are safe and that are secure and um, being able to, you know, get to the next level of education, high school, junior high school, whatever, and get to university and study and become a contributing citizen in their society. Um, so, to us, uh, the kids are amazing, and I agree with Nick. Every time we're, we're there at a school opening and, and with our donors and with those communities, um, to us, seeing them being really happy and inspired with their new schools um, really inspires us and gives us a level of fulfillment. And, you know, that, that intangible feeling that you have, like, you, you can't put a price on it. Sometimes it's hard to even explain. It's just, uh, it's just a great feeling. And um, our work's doing that. And, you know, Nick touched on a point there around the plastic crisis. The other thing that's really motivating us is we're working in disaster zones. You know, there were major earthquakes in Lombok, Indonesia in 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 500 people died, 400 schools destroyed, 90,000 homes destroyed. We were building uh, temporary pop-up schools. We were there, you know, straight after the earthquakes happened uh, in the disaster zones. And it was horrific. It was like bombs had hit there. So for us, we built temporary shelters, but when COVID and everything kicked off, it gave us space to look at how do we pivot this to create permanent structures that are earthquake resistant. And, uh, you know, anything can start from a thought, right? So we went and started looking at what are the technologies that are out there, and we're now bringing and transitioning a new tech into Indonesia that will take this recycled plastic, convert it into building blocks exactly like adult Lego, and, you know, we can build a five classroom school in six days now rather than three to six months and clean up three tons of, of no, uh, 15 tons of plastic waste and have a circular economy approach. So this is our new way of, of, of working and trying to really increase our impact across um, all different areas, not just with uh, getting kids into schools, but getting families back into homes so that they feel safe in case they do have another earthquake. That's fantastic. Can I just bring in Ronan again into the conversation? Same question, Ronan, for you. What keeps you motivated to do all the good stuff that you're doing? I heard Paul talk on a podcast earlier today. And I know, Paul, you, you know, mommy say you're a little bit older than I am. And you're saying your realization, you can count in days, how many days you've, you've been alive as opposed to years. <laughs> and say you, you realize how little time you have left to make a lot of impact. There's, I, I have that kind of same feeling like, I feel like I've so much energy and I'm only starting on the journey and I'm 47 and my kids take part in the challenges that we do and my kids create impact. We create shared experiences at our family. I'm helping hopefully inspire people. I'm helping people experience that feeling. Duncan use that word feeling a moment ago. When we run our 30-day challenges and everyone does their little actions every day and record them on the app, we have weekly webinars and we, we put up these live dashboards on using Microsoft Power BI technology and we show the collective achievement and the webinars light up. The feelings that people have as they experience the impact of their actions, that fuels me to keep going. And the opportunity to have conversations like this will fuel me and continue to fuel me. So yeah, I feel like um, I'm, I'm privileged to be part of this and I've got a lot more work to do.
Thank you, Annalisa. You want to come in? Yes, I just want to come in on on that point, and thank you for sharing that, Ronan. Um, I believe that perhaps more in the in the business community, there could possibly be a disconnect, in the sense of it's Monday morning. I've got a ton of things to do. I need to reach my targets for the week. I'll deal with impact later on. And that later on becomes a sense of one day when I've made my money, one day when I have reached a certain position, I'm in a place where I can then really focus on that. And what I'm hearing Ronan is, is saying really is, is also, and all of you in fact, is it's that presence. And I read something wonderful the other day. I read a, a little piece by Earl Nightingale. Now you all know him from the 1950s. Um, and he said something that I thought was really true. He said, we all take ourselves for granted. And I hear this in, in this conversation. We all can have an impact right here where we are. And I think it really comes down to three things. is being just aware and paying attention to what is going on around you. And then number two is use your imagination. How can you make a difference? And then number three, the most important possibly is take action. So maybe that is something that we can just, just ask around uh, the panelists. How did you move out of that space of it's only me, I've only got a business, I'll do this later to where you are now. How do you bridge that gap? Maybe I can start with, with Philip because I think you've got yeah, some thoughts on that, right? Yeah, it's interesting because it is a matter of personal development. But if you look in adult development, if you look at Robert Keegan's work, an American psychologist, he talks about these different levels of adulthood we reach. And he talked about how 65% are still only in socialized stage, meaning that they're still expecting someone else to tell them what to do. Right? And then only about 35 are in self-offering, meaning I have values from which I'm operating on, right? my own values. Like I love what uh, Ranjani talked earlier about the you know, mindset that becomes words, becomes, becomes actually being aware of your operating system and consciously acting from there. And then there's only 1% who are actually self-transforming. Right? So if you look at how that shows up in the work life, you have in a, in a typical organization about 30% of people who are already purpose-driven. Right? They come from a place of value. They come from, I want to do something meaningful with my day. And then I have about 70% who are motivated still by status or money, externally defined values. Right? And so if you look at that interesting disconnect, if you, McKinsey did a study where they said 85% of executives think that they can live their purpose at work. And that's great. But 85% of people who are not executives don't. Right? So if you take those 30% and the 70%, there's 70%. Well, actually, there's the first 30%, you have the first 15 who are already purpose-oriented and they live their purpose at work, great. Then you have 15% who want to live their purpose at work but don't know how, right? And they're gonna to go to a company that actually allows them how to do that, that has social entrepreneurship programs, that has tools for people to begin to connect their personal purpose with the purpose of the organization. And then you have these other 70% and they're interesting because if you actually care about them, and most of them, you know, they are not the top performers, by the way, the top performers are in that 30% of purpose-driven, right? But here too, there are some really high performers. And if you wanna keep them, you have to offer them more than money or status because they can get more money somewhere else or better titles somewhere else. So they have no reason to stay with you. And this is a big part of this great resignation where two thirds of employees looked at purpose, right? Because they're beginning, and this is where the work of organizations, and I think with John Scott can probably speak to that as well, 
the work of an organization is now personal development, actually getting these people to a place where they operate from a place of purpose. Because otherwise, if it's just coming from a place of money or status, A, they're not going to be loyal to you as an organization. So you're losing them. You're not being able to attract the good talent. And B, they're going to create horrible, continue to create horrible things out there because they're so disconnected from themselves right, to begin with and from their own purpose and why they're here. And they're just going to do a job where they don't really care what happens. Right? And if you don't care about what we do, and all of you are beautiful examples of what happens when you care about your work, right? I mean, you see all of you light up when you, when you, when you talk about purpose, right? In terms of what motivates us, right? Knowing that you're doing something meaningful, especially when you have sort of less marbles left than you have already spent, right? Where I've lived more moments than I have left to live here, right? And so I'm going to make sure that I make those moments really precious and worthwhile. And I think that's our invitation. If you start with the children like you do with Duncan and Nicola here, which I think is so awesome, and what you're going to do with adults and enrolling people in this collective personal development that we now get to do. Because for me, really, it's about an upgrade of humanity and that consciousness level. But in Sri Aurobindo was a little self of you, Ranjini, who talked about that integral yoga and that actually a lot of our social problems are actually an issue of consciousness and a lack thereof. So when we wonder why do organizations still do evil things, it's actually because the people inside of the organization have not yet connected to their self-offering level, to their personal purpose, to their wanting to live a self-actualized life, as Marshall would say. And so I think that's yeah. where comes in now. Philip, I was on a web event the other day and someone said, oh, that's a mic drop moment. And I, and I didn't quite understand what that meant at that time. But I think I think what you just said, just see if I got it correctly. You said the purpose of an organization is personal development. Is that, is that did I get that exactly oh, right? Oh, that's part of it now, right? Because you yeah. have so, that's, that's stunning. You up-level them, you know what I mean? And yeah. you can't just get rid of all these people because they're going to be in the streets with pitches and forks, you know, forks and pitchforks and horses <laughs> to get back and throwing stones and sticks at each other, right? And so we need to take care of the current workforce, which is the majority of humanity is in working somewhere in an organization. There you go. Wow. If I had a mic, I would drop it right now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I actually yeah. want to come in for a second only, you know, just to uh, substantiate what Philip said. My daughter, she works in Boston and recently she switched uh, jobs. So I asked her, what made her, you know, move away from the present organization into this new job. And she said, in my existing company, they pay me well, but I don't feel a sense of purpose. I don't feel a sense of belonging. And she, that was enough for her to start scouting around and choose an organization, which is a multinational, where they have clearly defined their purpose, their impact, and they document everything. And she started feeling good already. She's just six months into the job and she feels this is where she wants to make a career. So youngsters, 32 year old, that's how they're thinking. And I think they're spot on. Yeah, very much, very much. Right? Because I think in our generation too, everybody wanted to live their purpose. It was just, you know, you were told to shut up and go to work and make money, you know what I mean? And right. I think more people have access to the fact that it's possible now because we see the examples here in the room of people doing that and living their purpose. And because there is more of that example, the current millennial workforce, yeah, they, they say, I want to do something meaningful for my life because I don't want to just you know, go to work so I have enough money to sit at home and watch Netflix every night. Not that that isn't a bad thing, but you know, it's fun too. <laughs> I do it, I mean, I mean, I'm sure. That's not, that's not what you want to spend 70 years doing so that one day you can look back and say, wow, I've watched everything on Netflix. How awesome. I mean, <laughs> there's more to life. Than
It's so true, Philip. You know, it's it's so funny when I listen to because there's there's so many points to to Paul's point that are mic drop points, and I think you know I I wrote something not too long ago about I don't believe the Great Resignation is really the the gist. I really do think it's the great why. You know, like why am I doing this? Like why am I? Wh I think I say sometimes and I've said this many times on webinars with you all before, uh, with many of you before is. You know, we have some things that I, I, you know, I dare say are the gifts of the Corona uh, issue. And one of the gifts, I think, if we're, if we're ready to receive it, is a shift in perspective and perception and a mindfulness that I think is carrying through all generations. Now, people at our, you know, our end of the spectrum, uh, we always wanted to do something, but it wasn't really available. It was, it was an enormous leap from where we were, uh, whether it's in perception or reality. And I do think, because I have two children who are recent university graduates, and I can see them and their teams and, and several of the people that I've taught over the years um, really examining what they're doing. And when I had some of my teams, uh, some of my students do their projects about impact and uh, their business proposals, several of them went to For Ocean or they went to, it was very interesting to see the companies they picked because they were picking companies that were purpose-driven and that were having a definite impact on what's happening. And I do think it's a lot of the great why, you know, why, what's my purpose? Why am I doing this? I think being able to step back from our routines. That was uh, it, step back. Yeah, yeah, step back from our routines and really examine, you know, what what's the reason? Like, what's the outcome? What, how, what is this purpose, you know, for? And to your point, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited to be caught up on Ozark, but at the same time, like, that's not the reason we're, uh, you know, we're making money and living every day. Uh, so. I do think that we have a great opportunity and I can see the evolution in my students over the last, uh, you know, I've been teaching for 27 years at the university level and I can see the evolution and generations about where people are coming from and why they're working. And it leads me to another point. I'll put this out to the group. We hear oftentimes about, you know, work-life balance, like it's two separate things or we hear, mm. about, we hear about, you know, soft skills, which I've said many times I have an issue with. So to me, you know, there's no work-life balance. It's just, you know, how do you work in the synergistic way? And also from the soft skills point, it's just technical skills and human skills. You know, so I, I, I really take issue with the fact that people misname, in my opinion, soft skills. Um, when we're talking about skills from humanity, like skills for us as human beings to work with one another uh, and to create cultures. And this is, you know, Philip and I have many different intersects. Uh, that I, I'm excited about. So how do we create courageous cultures that are going to be purpose-driven, outcome-driven from this? And this is really the question I put. So how do we take this now? We're all in, you know, this is, we're preaching to the choir. We have, you know, the choir leader. We have, uh, we have the whole, you know, a whole range of voices. How do we take this now and create more impact going forward outside of just our original scope? I mean, obviously Paul's driving this on a global scale. And we all trying to do this on our own. So I'll put this to the group. And I'm curious, uh, Dr. Regini, like, how do you see, I know you're doing some amazing work with women in India. How do you see this taking action going forward for you? I had raised my hand earlier because I was very excited that you talked about um, how do you shift, right? How did you shift from having a for-profit business and saying, let me get into purpose. I think I see in the audience, dear Joanne Husky, who's, a, who was a co-founder who really inspired me to start Global Adjustments and then we brought 
the one and only Annalise Boyson into mm -hmm. India, set her up in Chennai and she was scared of every mosquito and she was scared of every little freak <laughs> that you had to swerve the cow cows and go through and all that. But at that time in our business, and I think Joanne would agree with me, we already had this idea of let's do well by doing good. So we went, we wanted our profit, but we also wanted all these people who came as guests of India to go back as friends of India. And that was the purpose that really drove our business. And of course we made a ton of money. We opened uh, seven different uh, offices around the uh, country, but it was already in the DNA. So when uh, the time came to step off the treadmill and just become a philanthropist and work for women, it was simply a case of switching off the button and stepping off the treadmill, that's it. And then you decide that you're going to become this purpose-driven entity. And then the money will also naturally come as a byproduct because India needs inspiration from the West. You won't believe this. This was last week, Friday, my son brought me this book. So this is Neem Karoli Baba. So Steve Jobs apparently went to him and learned all about his life of purpose. And then as a mentor to Mark Zuckerberg, he said, go to this temple, go to this temple in Uttarakhand, you learn all about uh, purpose. And so Mark came and spent some time there. And, and then he saw how Indians connect with each other and Facebook was born and now Metaverse and Annalise and all of it. So it's always about now suddenly this temple is very popular. All the youngsters wanna go to it and bring back the books and read it. Similarly, Indians in the, uh, the 700 million women of India need the inspiration from the West, but need to hold on to Indian roots so that they can fly on global wings. And that's why the purpose was very simple. It was very simple to say, this is going to be the only reason that I breathe and I wake up every day. And then it fell in place. Colleges, workplaces, everybody came. And when the first policewoman came and said, when there's a sexual assault, people come and tell us, when someone assaults me, whom shall I go and tell? I wanted to commit suicide, but now in your program, I realized I absolutely can't do it. I have a life of purpose. These kinds of stories keep us knowing that we're doing the right thing and impact. You know, it's really fascinating. I, I think what I, many different points we're talking about is how accessible the, the impact is to our view, whether it be perceived or actual. And I think this is such a powerful issue. And I'm looking at my screen, like, you know, where I'm looking. I'm looking at Duncan and Nicola because I know like my time in Indonesia, like my time on Bali, we had beach cleanups all the time. There was so much trash um, that, you know, it's the part of Bali that people don't tell you about us. The beaches are, are you know, many places. So they see directly the impact of their efforts. You know, they see directly the, the damage that's being done. The issue for, for me personally with my clients and with the people that I'm um, surrounded by is how do you translate the real world impacts to people who are largely insulated from those in their day-to-day -day life? And I'll put that question to the panel. How do you do that in your own work? Uh, Nicola and Duncan, you want to chip in? Um, thank you for that. Yes, uh, you are right. Um, we've just had the wet season here now and uh, there was uh, so much plastic being washed up uh, on the beaches here in Bali where we are. So it is a real issue. Um, you know, to us in, in, in our work, you know, is we're trying our best to create um, 
a megaphone with our impact and, and with what we're doing through content as well. You know, and uh, in the game of NGOs and charities, you can also see a lot of guilt content that's put out there, uh, which is touching on the emotions. Um, you know, whereas we would prefer to the, the guilt emotions rather than inspiring people through the positive solutions and the positive impacts that are being created. So uh, to, to your question, uh, John Scott, for us, um, we've been uh, trying to put on our website, for example, a lot of our uh, impacts through using GPS coordinates and leveraging technology to be able to showcase transparency and uh, build our community through the different social channels and put out content uh, that is inspiring people um, rather than making them feel guilty so that they can make uh, a decision on whether they would like to give or support based on inspiration. So uh, for us, uh, that's what we like to do. And, you know, even in our day-to-day -day living, you know, is, is um, I think therefore I am, you know, and what you think and how you want to be in your everyday life uh, with every person that you touch and every person that you meet, you have a choice to smile at a person, you know, you have a choice to be kind to someone and touch someone in their lives. And, uh, you know, I think uh, that's what we try to do uh, with our family, with our kids, and even with our kids, bringing them to some of our projects and uh, showing them the work, uh, trying to teach them the power of uh, altruism and trying to make a difference in the world um, at a young age. So um, content is really important these days in the world of you know online and the metaverse and uh, the way the world is going with technology at the moment. And I'm seeing a huge transformation and transition of people going into this metaverse and Facebook. Facebook would not have changed their name to Meta unless something big is com coming. So I'm thinking about Annalise Boyson here because to me, I understand what the metaverse is, where people are operating in the space, um, a virtual reality, but how do you take what's happening in the metaverse and actions that are occurring in the metaverse and turn that into real tangible impact in the real world? If I'm building a home and a game in the metaverse and all of a sudden you've helped build a, through a community and uh, funds go towards building a new home or a new school that happens in reality on a, on a country that's in need. So um, I might pass that on to uh, Annalise. Uh, the whole metaverse uh, space is really important these days. Yes, yes. And I know, uh, Sherrod, we, we, we are getting close to, to the hours. So um, I'm going to, to maybe end with an example of, of how we can do this. Um, we believe that the metaverse really is a fantastic place for us to amplify things, which includes the, the impact side. So we are about to launch um, something very exciting, which is called the Impact 5.0 Award, which is a combination of how can you very cleverly use the emerging technologies to enhance the effectiveness of what we're already doing around the world in terms of impact. So I'm going to ask everybody in the audience, if you would like to know more about this, please type the word award in there. And for every word of award that we get in there, we are going to then match that with the number of bricks that we're going to donate to Duncan and Nicola to help build their school. So that's one way of really bridging the gap is let's amplify what we're doing and see how we can turn this into real actions.
So with that, Sharad, I'd like to hand over to you to do the closings and go around the, the room. Yeah, um, yeah, and on that, you know, uh, it just so happens that last week I launched this new community called meta-shapers.com. So it's trying to bring together all the people who are in the meta, NFT, blockchain, you know, and all the new technologies to come together. And in the first, I think, three days, uh, some 50 plus people from across the globe have already registered. So I think uh, there's going to be a lot of traction on this. And Metaverse is for real. Virtual is real. Um, so uh, yeah, so uh, welcome to the Metaverse. And, and before we close, I'm going to give each one of our panelists uh, about one minute each, please, for your closing comments to a larger audience. OK, so if we are going beyond this room, what is your message and what are your parting thoughts on this uh, subject. Uh, let me start with Ronan. Thanks, Gerard. And it might be a nice follow-up to John Scott's question there. So my, I guess my invitation to people is maybe rather than try to figure out how do I live my purpose and go down that kind of purpose rabbit hole to how do I live more purposely or more consciously or, or more mindfully every day and our choices can create impact. And realizing that you're not alone and um, you're part of a community, you're, you're part of a movement and your actions combined with other people's actions can create that compounding impact and create the change that we would like to see in the world. So uh, my invitation to people is join communities and uh, start moving forward. Find out what you do care about and believe that together we can create change in the world. Thank you, Sharad. Thank you, Ronan. That's very inspiring. Paul, can I come to you, please? You, you certainly can. As you and thank you again for hosting this. Uh, I, I just made just send a note to uh, uh, Philip saying I, I need a new microphone. I, I just keep dropping it, you know, all the time. <laughs> um, and that's one of the reasons why I'll keep turning up to this. And I hope those of you who've been here will do exactly the same because you know to, to some extent our environment predicts our, is a predictor of performance in the sense that the people that we hang out with uh, it's really really important and just to get back to that whole thing around smiles and purpose today someone sent me a quote from you know the master storyteller uh, joseph campbell and they said this we cannot cure the world of sorrows, but we can choose to live in joy. And the recognition from that to me as a result of being here tonight is not just from the smiles that we've seen from the panelists and the lovely uh, comments on the theme, but the, 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 the recognition that being on purpose creates that joy and creates a place for us to live so that it automatically starts to spread. So there you go. We can't cure the world of sorrows, said Joseph Gamble, but we can choose to live in joy. Love that. Thank you, Paul. Uh, may I go to Nicola and Duncan, please? Thank you. Um, in my experience with some people that I've spoken to around purpose, it can be a really overwhelming word for some people. Like it feels really massive and really big to define a what's my purpose or you know, it almost gets down to like, why am I here? It's it's huge, huge question to ask. And I think that starting a bit smaller, 
you know, focusing on what you love or what inspires you and, you know, what gets you up in the morning or, or what really irritates you? What do you want to change? And looking at those things first and then taking any step in that direction, you know, to get back to um, what Dr. Rangini was saying earlier around your thoughts and just even changing your thought around um, how to help and how to give back and, and how to live a more meaningful life. And it can be just through small actions and, and you know, kindness and and stepping out joining communities collaboration i i don't think it always has to be this huge big picture thing small things make such a big difference in the world and i think if people are struggling with where to start with purpose or where to start with giving back just ask yourself those questions what drives me what makes me feel you know what lights me up or what is really irritating me what do i what needs changing and just start there and and baby steps okay duncan exactly. thank you nicola yeah you nailed it. Um, many, many little things to make something great happen, you know, uh, as Nelson Mandela did in his journey. But, uh, you know, one thing I'd like to, to leave uh, with this community is, um, it, I think uh, maybe Philip uh, spoke about it early on, is, is it doesn't matter what you do, you know, like you don't have to run a charity, you don't have to run a social enterprise, you can work for a corporation, you can do anything and find those things that really give you your groove in life. Um, you know, as, as Ronan said as well, you know, these, these tiny little changes you can make in your life and it adds up to creating fulfillment and happiness and joy. And isn't that really what it's all about? Is having joy and having fun and enjoying our, our life journey. Uh, so to me, um, it doesn't matter what you do, you can find it within anything. Great, thank you. Dr. Ranjani, parting thoughts. Um, I'm going to say, I stop thinking, therefore I am. And I'm going to enhance <laughs> Let's press the pause button. Right. And as all of you panelists have already said, when you press pause on the machine, it stops on any machine. But when you press pause on the human mind, that's when it reimagines, rethinks, finds solutions. And then everything that Nicola has said and everybody else here has said, you'll be able to find what works for you. And the purpose will just appear. But you have to take the time to breathe. It's a natural phenomenon but to breathe and press pause. And remember, I don't think, therefore, I am. Namaste. You and I are one. That's all. Every day say this. You and I are one. And then you'll okay, find the in the world. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Ranjini. Over to you, Philip. Um, on the danger of repeating what's been said, I think, you know, even Buddha said uh, the purpose of life is to continue to seek your purpose. Right? And so it's not about finding that one thing that makes it all right. I love what Nicola was saying, look in your neighborhood, look at the small things, look at what pisses you off, look at what scares you, look at what frightens you, do something. Right? And I think that impact that you're going to create, before you know it, you're going to look back and be like, wow, I've been living my purpose. Right. So I think, you know, really keep keep integrating those two poles and you can start on either end. You know, if you have a calling, start there. If you see something down there where you can make impact, start there. Make sure that your operating system is aligned, you know, coming back to how your words and actions and habits and all align around that and go, go, go keep exploring it because I think that's the greatest joy I know in life is to continue to explore and to continue to make the best out of every moment here. Absolutely. John Scott. Uh, you know, there's there's just so much uh, to take away from this. I think I'll take it. I think um, Nicola touched on this earlier just now, which was 
I think we tend to look at change in this in this humongous macro effort. And I, I'd like to have everyone uh, take just a small introspective look on each day, every day, and how they can make small changes and how they approach what they do, how they live, and what their impact is. Uh, and I think that's really the message going forward. I should say also, by the way, there's a lot of comments in the chat from me that for some reason, I'm pretty certain it's my friend Minda who's up very early in San Francisco. So, uh, so, <laughs> so I don't know why she, I kept seeing going like, am I, is there some ghost uh, writing? So I think it's Minda in San Francisco. So uh, please take a look at her co-caring uh, site because she's very passionate about this space as well. And I'll say this one last piece, which is, um, and I believe that Ronan touched on this as well, pay attention to what gets you uh, pa feeling passionate, good or bad happy or upset and pay attention and take action on that in either to remedy something that's upsetting or bothering you or to accelerate and amplify things that are exciting you and uh, making you feel purposeful. So I think that we live in a numb society, N-U-M-B, numb society, in often cases where people witness things, they think it's all outside of themselves. And I'm sorry to bash, we're not bashing Netflix. And they just go into their little Netflix cave and, uh, and then wake up again and do it all over. And I think we have to break free from that and take action on what, what drives us and what we feel passionate about in any direction. Uh, action is the key. Thanks. Absolutely. And um, I'd just like to add in every day, there are 1,440 minutes. That means we have 1,440 opportunities to make a positive impact. Let me end on that note by thanking all the panelists for having this lovely conversation. There are so many takeaways. We will cherish this forever. I want to thank my audience for investing their 60 minutes with us. And we look forward to seeing all of you on the other side. And may I finally close. Uh, this is one of my favorite uh, quotes from Mahatma Gandhi, the father of my nation, India. And he said, in a gentle way, you can shake the world. And on that note, thanks all. Be good and stay safe. Bye, bye for now. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 bye.